on a community level that God has foreseen the problems that you're facing, that he has a plan to get you through, but that plan requires your participation. And what we are being challenged on today is how do we participate in God's plan for our lives? So I have four objectives for this series. The first is to encourage you to pray, to plan, and prepare for 2018 so that it'll be the best, the destined increase, and to the point that it becomes the best that God has for you for this year. Second objective is to sensitize you to the necessity of spiritual sensitivity and prophetic patterns as a baseline for personal planning. That you want to be sensitive to the fact that God, if you have a plan from the Spirit of God, then you have to be sensitive to his Spirit to understand that plan. You're not going to figure it out on your own. You can't just do you and think you're going to walk in your destiny. Your divine destiny is a partnership between you and God. And so you want to understand that. You, you want to have spiritual sensitivity, and then you want to understand prophetic patterns. See, one of the things is I thought through, um, I thought through Mr. Harper and just my contact with him, and I kind of reminded myself of a prophetic pattern from Scripture that God raised up Moses in Pharaoh's house to understand the ways of the Egyptians for that moment when he had to speak on behalf of a impoverished people to Pharaoh. The fact that Mr. Harper, with all of his accomplishments, went to Harvard Law School with President Obama. Hallelujah. Saw that we were okay. Sorry. That he had some exposure that a lot of us haven't had. That he had also spent some time in Harvard School of Government. Means he has a different kind of insight, more than just a pretty face. And that God had raised him up for such a time as this. And so we have to be sensitive that there are sometimes patterns that we can look in Scripture or in God speaking to us that will give us insights on what to do now. Because, as Ecclesiastes says, there's nothing new under the sun. Number three, to reemphasize the purpose of prayer and planning is the ability to act on time with purpose in line with the will of God in such a way as to maximize your life and kingdom contribution along the destiny path. One of the things he'll tell you this afternoon that he told the clergy that met with him this morning is, listen, your governor is trying to close this case out this year before he becomes a private citizen. And he's trying to close it out because if he gets it done and he settles and there's only a few people in it, then he don't have to see Paul's prison ministry from the inside of the jail. So he's trying to get this done as quickly and as quietly as he can. So if you don't act on time, you'll be more than a day late. He's putting pressure on Judge Levy to get this done as quietly as he can. Shh. With as few of your names on it as he can. Shh. 
so that he can get in and out, even with all his millions of dollars, you're still paying for his attorneys. Things that make you go, hmm, right? And so if we don't act on time with purpose, you can be a day late and then a lots of dollars short, right? It's more than a dollar short, isn't it? So that's why we, we don't want to be people that God says move now and then we stuck like deer in headlights, right? We got to act on time with purpose and then forth to prepare us to properly respond to key opportunities to increase through internalizing these prophetic impressions, connections, characteristics, empowerments, and outcomes related to your destiny. So here it was, I'm at an event and I'm just coming there with my beautiful bride. We just come in there to sit and eat and then, you know, Hill is a alpha. If there's any alphas in the room, I'm not. I'm just, you know, I know y'all do that secret handshake and y'all get all close so the rest of us don't know what y'all doing. And um, y'all do y'all thing like that. If there's any alphas in the house, you know, much love to you. And, um, and so one of the employees that works on my team at work said, hey, come here, come here. Hill wants to meet you. Hey, that was a, that was a, a, a connection for my congregation to hear what they need to move them along their destiny path. Like, you know, and I understand these blessings shall, shall run you down, but when I see a blessing trying to overtake me, I slow down. I don't, I don't want my blessing to have to run too hard to catch me. You know, it's, it said it'll run me down. It said my blessings will run me down and overtake me, but when I see it, I slow down, make it easy for it to catch me up. I'm just saying. You can do what you want to do. I just want to get mine. So when we have opportunities to be blessed, when God's starting to do that, we need to be sensitive so that we can work together with God. We shouldn't be fighting against the thing that God wants to do in our life. And when people are coming that can give you insight that you do not have with your smart self. I know you're smart. I know you, you know, I know you got all of that and you that and plus a bag of chips. But sometimes people know stuff that you don't. And when God is trying to bless you through a connection, you need to be sensitive to that and then learn how to respond to it appropriately so you can maximize your progress along the destiny path. Ephesians chapter 1, verses 1 through 12, I'm reading it out of the Message Bible, is our scripture that we'll go through today. I think the Message Bible, and it talks about your destiny, the fact that God has this destiny for you. And he's put a blessing on your life so that you can experience that destiny. And that blessing and that destiny, that divine plan for your good, for your future, comes, it starts by making connection through Jesus Christ, but then by learning how to walk with God and work with God to make the moves he's asking you to make because um, God won't do your part and you can't do God's part. So you two have to work together to cause that destiny to come to pass. So let's look at it in Ephesians chapter 1, verses 1 through 12. He says, I, Paul, am under God's plan as an apostle, a special agent of Christ Jesus, writing to you faithful Christians in Ephesus. I greet you with grace and peace poured into our lives by God our Father and our Master Jesus Christ. How blessed is God and what a blessing he is. He's the Father of our Master Jesus Christ and takes us to the high places of blessing in him. Verse 4 says, long before he laid down earth's foundations, he had us in mind and had settled on us as the focus of his love to, meet, to be made whole and holy by his love. This piece there in brackets is my own commentary. 
God's love in your life is intended to fix your deficits. Now, we're supposed to go out here, and I'm looking for the, for the attorneys. Listen, you harm me, I want my money. Don't hate. I want my money. You don't want yours? I want mine. I'll take yours, too. Okay. But I'm ultimately counting on God. It was, I think it was 2017. It might have been 2016 when over at um, Mount Carmel Baptist Church, the attorney, not the attorney general, but the, what's the highest medical officer? The surgeon general, the surgeon general came and spoke and he talked about how drinking water for anyone that was six years and under a somebody that's pregnant and nursing the child which means the water is coming through their system and then going to the baby either in their womb or that they're nursing see if i keep saying this i'm gonna start crying said that they would have permanent developmental difficulties i said god i said your love has to fix our deficits. The government has done, from their perspective, irreparable damage. They can't fix what they've broken. They can't fix it. I'm not saying we don't get what's due to us, but I'm telling you, there's not enough money to fix something like that. You can't, you can't put those scrambled eggs back in in the shell again. You can't do it. The only person I know who has enough a power to fix something like that is the one who wrote in red, if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. He's the only one I know who can fix it. I'm counting that his destiny for those young people, his love for them is strong enough that even in the midst of everything we do, and we should get it all, baby, get it all, get it all. But in the midst of us doing what we can do, that he'll do the piece we can't do, and he'll put his super on our natural. Verse 5, long, long ago, he decided to adopt us into his family through Jesus Christ. What pleasure he took in planning this. Or as I like to say, God is pleased with his plans for you. He wanted us to enter into the celebration of his lavish gift giving by the hand of his beloved son. God wants you to be pleased with his plans for you too. He's got an amazing plan. He's the master planner. And you're not here by accident. You're not an unwanted pregnancy. Heaven wants you, baby. Heaven wants you. Heaven got excited about his plans for your life. And he wants you to get excited too. Verse 7, because of the sacrifice of the Messiah, his blood poured out on the altar of the cross, we're a free people, free of penalties and punishments chalked up by all our misdeeds. And not just barely free either, abundantly free. He thought of everything, provided for everything we could possibly need. See, this is, this is what I'm holding on to. When they bring a child to me that's having developmental difficulties and I lay my hands on them in the name of Jesus, not because I'm some wonder boy preacher, 
I'm counting on the fact that he's thought about everything that child will need. Because where sin abounds, grace much more abounds. He don't have to fix their misdeeds. They didn't do nothing wrong. But he can fix the government's misdeeds because the government can't fix what they broke. Verse 8, verse 9 says that he thought, 8 said he thought of everything, provided for everything we could possibly need, letting us in on plans he took such delight in making. He set it all out before us in Christ. A long-range plan in which everything would be brought together and summed up in him. Everything in deepest heaven, everything on planet earth. It's in Christ that we find out who we are and what we are living for. Long before we first heard of Christ and got our hopes up, he had his eye on us, had designs on us for glorious living. Part of, ev- of, part of the overall purpose, he is working out in everything and everyone. Last week, I had talked about the fact that um, in Genesis chapter 1, God made man in his image and in his likeness. We talked about the fact that um, you can't live above the picture that you hold of yourself within yourself. If you see yourself as a failure, you cannot succeed. You will snatch defeat from the jaws of victory because of how you picture yourself. That's why, you know, Brother Mike Harris is here from the Flint Development Center, and I spent some money, my own personal money. He'll tell you to, to make sure kids that look like you and me went to see Black Panther. Now, I know that may not be a big deal, but when I grew up, I was like, listen, all them people in Africa and even Tarzan had to be white. Why, why couldn't I be the superhero in something? I'm just saying. I wasn't mad at nobody. I'm just saying I felt some kind of way. And um, because I understood the importance of image, understood the importance of how you see yourself. And so Mr. Mr. Harper said, some people won't put in for this claim because they don't see themselves as being worthy to be redressed by the government. They don't think they, they, they don't think, they think I just got to take whatever's come to me. What did they give to me? I'm just glad that I'm still here. Because image is an issue. Now, God is stuck with what you see about you. Because the children of Israel, he tried to give them an image of a land flowing with milk and honey, and they saw giants and themselves as grasshoppers, and their image won out over God's. Because he had given mankind dominion in the earth. So we have to take the authority that we have on the planet and tell them people in Lansing that we own this piece of the planet in Flint, and you're going to make sure it's taken care of. So God wants us to know how to walk in this blessing. So 12 key points from our text today in Ephesians chapter 1, and then we're done. Number one, the book of Ephesians was written to the Christians, but its power is activated by those that are faithful, loyal, and steadfast in Christ Jesus. That's what Paul said in his first couple verses. Faithful, adherence to duty. Loyal, committed to the cause, steadfast, that you are not shaken by stuff that comes up against you. That God wants you to be courageous. And this is a moment 
you know, you might go in a room and then they have some fancy lawyers with a bunch of words that you don't even know what them words mean. But child, please, I'm getting mine. Where can I sign? Not letting somebody in Lansing talk me out of it because he's one tough nerd. I'm like, you called yourself a nerd, but, bro, you didn't do your homework. This, this was real easy stuff. So I'm going to be courageous and face the issues, all right? Number two, God is blessed, empowered to prosper in our lives when we understand that he blessed us or empowered us to prosper in heavenly places before he made earthly places. In other words, he said that he blessed us. In the King James Version, it said before the foundation of the world. So that means Ephesians 1 actually starts before Genesis 1 because you don't start designing the assembly plant. You always start in the design studio. So Ephesians 1 actually, even though it's not in chronological order in your Bible, actually goes first because you start out with the plan before you go into mass production. That's an engineer talking to you there. That's, a, that's an engineer talking there. Number three, he blessed us because he chose us to be adopted into his royal family through Christ Jesus. See, no matter what happens, they felt like y'all not going to do nothing because nobody knows who they are, so they don't stand up. I know who I am. I'm adopted into a royal family. Christ Jesus is my Lord. So y'all can't just do to me what you think you can do to me, and I'm just going to sit there and take it. Number four, he did it because of his love for us. God fell in love with his thoughts about you before you came to be. God got excited about the thought that he had of you. Heaven got so excited that it said, this... <laughs> This idea, we got to go into mass production. And you were here because he got excited about a thought with your name on it. It wasn't just when Jesus was born that angels sang. They sang at your birth. Heaven was excited about you. You. Heaven's excited about you. He took pleasure in planning your life. Number five, your understanding of this amazing plan and walking it out in your life is intended to raise the praise to him for his grace on your life. We have, we have song service. You know what, Pastor David, I'm with the praise team, man. I'm just rocking. I'm singing. I can't even, you know, I'm just, I can't dance like the rest of them, you know, but I throw my hands up and do something. I'm excited because... I know what he has going on in my life, and I just get excited that he has a plan for me. I'm not just stuck like Chuck. Hope nobody in here's name is Chuck. Um, I'm not just, I don't have to just put up with what life gives to me. There's a plan with my name on it. Number six, knowing that things would go wrong. Knowing that things would go wrong through Satan, Adam, you, I could have added your government too. He pre-planned to purchase your redemption from judgment through the blood of Jesus. No matter what's going on, my statement is God's always got a plan. When I was a kid, I used to watch the A-Team. Remember? B.A. Baracus, Mr. T. <laughs> B.A. Baracus. You got to say it, not Barack Obama. B.A. Baracus. 
And then Hannibal would say, that is always a plan. I love it when a plan comes together. God's always got a plan, man. So even though stuff catches me off guard, I'm always confident because I know it didn't catch God off guard. Number seven, God was very particular to hide the master plan within himself until just the right moment of revelation. Because if he had, a, he had a peeped his whole card too soon, you understand that term, I peep your whole card? If he had peeped it out too soon, Satan would have tried to stop it. See, that's why some things got to be done at the right moment. And Hill is coming here to tell you we got to move now, y'all. All right? So I'm telling you, this is the right moment for us to make certain moves. Number eight, as God put together his galactic game plan, he planned for Jesus Christ to be the MVP. That's some good preaching, Pastor David. Yes, it is. Yeah. He has a star player who has come to save you, to snatch victory from the jaws of your defeat. All right? Number nine, this master plan is for all mankind. This master plan for all mankind has a portion of it with your name on it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Now, the attorneys are trying to sign as many people as they can into the class of the class action suit. So they'll go before the judge and say, we need redress for these grievances we have. And everybody whose name is signed in gets a portion of whatever is given. God has a whole master plan for mankind. Sin was against us. Jesus, our advocate with the Father, got for everybody who signs into the class of believers, he got a master settlement, and there's a portion with your name on it. Number 10. It is also God's inheritance as well as Jesus rose from the dead to be the executor of his own estate. Jesus died because a will can never go into effect. I'm telling all you attorneys, okay, right? Your will can't go into effect until the person who established it dies. There must be the death of the testator for the last will and testament to go into effect. So Jesus died, but then he rose again to be the executor of his own will. Because sometimes people put stuff in writing and then the folks that's left don't do it exactly the way they intended it. But Jesus rose up to make sure you got everything he died for you to have. Number 11, once God had completely laid out his whole plan, he started the game in Genesis 1. He has been working throughout the ages and will complete his plan on time and with quality. So what we are facing as a community, God has already seen this. He's already foreseen, right? One of his names is Jehovah Jireh. People say it's the Lord 
my provider. That's, that's not incorrect, but it is incomplete. It actually says that God saw ahead of time and made provision in time. God saw it ahead of time and then made provision in time. And so when I was listening to Hill, I said, Lord, this might be part of your provision for my city. He didn't tell you the attorneys that he's working with, but these are the dudes that got the 9-11 settlement for the first responders. That means they're not rookies. This is not their first ride at the rodeo. And they have the deep pockets necessary to, to wait it out. Because, see, some of these lawyers, they're just trying to get paid right now before the next mortgage gets paid, before it's due. They're just trying to get their bills paid and then, you know, with your name on it. Okay? And so we need some people in there that can, that can wait them out, that can ask the big questions and settle with the big numbers. I'm just saying. All right? And then finally, number 12, your part of the plan is to live a life that brings praise and glory to God. That's your part of the plan. And us doing that in this is us standing up and saying that we're going to take a stand for our city. We're going to take a stand for our children. We're going to take a stand for our community. We're going to do everything that's required to make our place, the place that God has given us, the best that it can be. Let's stand.